See if I can get this going. There we go. Yes. And we may need to take a uh, mid-pod break for a fresh beer. That's fine. I think I can pause the recording. Welcome to the Baseball SDL Podcast. JJ Bailey here with you as I am most weeks, if not as many weeks as I can manage. Chris Raby, my co-host today, we're coming to you from ITAP and Soulard. Uh, Chris and I recorded a day ago <laughs> at the fine, the fine uh, Bush Stadium studio of KMOX, and unfortunately Chris has the computer competency of a 75-year-old retiree and lost the file. So we're doing this again. And what we're talking about today, a little cardinal pitching. Are, are you saying that I would use Ask Jeeves as my search engine of choice? Because I'm, that's what my grandmother uses is Ask Jeeves. I'm saying that you would go to Ask Jeeves and then tell Jeeves to Google something for you. Okay, JJ, in the you know interest of full disclosure, who recorded, produced, and then sent to you the other four installments that I've been on? Uh, I, you, but it's, this is a, what, this is a, what have you done for me lately business, Chris? You know that I can't give you a free pass just cause you went four for four the other day. Well, that's why I'm going to buy you a couple this of is, beers. This is like throwing your bat into the stands on a foul ball. That's why I'm going to buy you a couple of beers. Good. And if we had to re-record, we might as well re-record at a bar. Yeah. Why not? And it's as close to the house and it's a, uh, you know, it's 10 o'clock. It's a proper drinking hour for a pint. I just got, I said that JJ, I want to do this podcast again. I'm going to warm up by doing three hours of sports open line on KMOX, and then I came right over here. And then I said to make sure that everything goes well, we'll bring my equipment, and I'll just babysit this file so that you can't destroy it. <laughs> yeah. We've got a Brinks truck outside, and this computer <laughs> is going to be immediately transported into the back of it. Yeah, it should, as long as it doesn't die, as long as we're not too long-winded. All right, let's get to it. All right, well, today we're talking a little Cardinal pitching. We're talking a little Adam Wainwright, maybe a little offense, but wanted to start it off uh, as we did last time. With a stat, a stat that is historic and a stat that informs this Cardinal team's success on the mound, and it's left on base percentage. The team left on base percentage for this St. Louis Cardinals pitching staff is 80.8. It's the best percentage of stranded runners all time. The next closest is 79.6, and that is the 1968 Tigers. The most recent team that was that close was the Reds in 2013, 77.5. And what this number though not all-encompassing and not a definitive stat tells you, is uh, for a team that is getting inconsistent offense and a lot of one-run games, the most one-run games in the majors to this point, it's a crucial stat because it means this rotation and the bullpen that comes in behind it is minimizing damage. And I think without that number, this is a very different season. There's no doubt. And... It's not only doing that, but it's keeping pitch counts down uh, when you're able to get out of innings and you're able to induce a number of double plays as well. And what it tells me is that you're keeping the ball down in the zone and you're getting a lot of ground balls. Now, probably a little bit of luck to it, but by luck, I mean luck over the course of an entire season, similar to the 2013 runners in scoring position number. This number is held steady at above 80%, at right at 80 uh, and 81% all season long. It's been remarkably consistent. There hasn't been any room for regression to the mean. And if there is luck, it's luck that has transpired over the course of an entire year and I believe will continue to transpire at the exact same rate over the next six weeks, just like the offensive numbers in 2013. 
Well, and you mentioned the ground. You mentioned the ground ball rates. Cardinals are fourth in that, forty-seven point four. I'm sorry, that's the Yankees. Forty-seven point seven percent are the Redbirds in ground ball rate. Only the Pirates, Dodgers, and Astros are better. And I think wow. when you're looking at, if you want to talk ground ball rate and you want to talk stranded runners, you have to talk Jaime Garcia. Uh, yeah. What he's done for this rotation has been phenomenal. You know, his ground ball percentage is 66, almost 67%. Nobody else is even close. The next closest is 55. That's Carlos. His ability to strand runners, 82.6%. Carlos and uh, John Lackey are chasing him there. They're both in the 80s. But you talk about what Jaime Garcia gave this rotation in the absence of Adam Wainwright. You're not only getting the ground ball rate and the left-on-base percentage. You're getting almost no walks. You're getting deep consistent outings and the only inconsistency is injury so when he is healthy and that is a caveat that comes a lot with Jaime Garcia is if he's healthy but when he is healthy man he has pitched like an ace for this team well and on that note he's only thrown 100 or more pitches twice in his 12 starts I believe that he has the lowest number of pitches per inning of any starter. He's just he's below the qualified innings threshold, but yeah. he's not that far off. And, and there aren't a bunch of starters that are in that 70-80 inning mark. But um, I think a lot of that has to do with not only him staying healthy, but it's the byproduct of something we've seen Carlos Martinez talk about, Michael Waka talk about, Adam Wainwright talk about. You don't need to rear back and try to strike out every guy. When you get to an 0-2 count, a 1-2 count, ahead of a guy, this is something Mike Matheny harped on when it came to Carlos this year in spring training. You don't need to try to get a guy to chase two, three balls, strike him out, get to a 2-2, get to a 3-2, and then be faced with a walk or a ball being put in play. You realize that when you get ahead, you can make a quality pitch in the bottom of the zone and make guys make outs. And I think that that is not only why we're seeing the walk rate so low, but it's why we've seen his strikeout rate drop. Jaime Garcia is now striking out four or five guys per outing, probably at about five and a half, six per nine innings, and that's okay, you know? Mm -hmm. We saw Adam Wainwright's strikeout numbers drop. We saw Michael Waka's strikeout numbers drop. We've seen Carlos Martinez's strikeout numbers drop, and you don't need to strike everyone out. If you don't, you're going to save pitches. Um, We've seen Carlos and Jaime and Michael Waka get more ground balls, and ultimately it's going to mean better things. And that's what John Lackey has done his whole career. You know, he fills up the zone. He makes things happen. Sometimes, like in Colorado, they don't go well, but you saw what he can do when he was against the Mets and what he's done at home. You know, the entire time he's been on this team is he throws a lot of strikes. He fills up the zone and he challenges hitters. And, I mean, statistically, it's a smart move. This is a a failure-laden game. This is the best hitters in the world fail seven out of ten times. The odds are on your side, and I think what that's really especially helps. when you have a great defense. And and what they and what the Cardinals have done is transform their defense into an extension of their pitching. All you need to do is get ground balls, and you have a very very dependable infield. Colton Wong has given you an incredible amount of range on the right side of the field. Your outfield, banged up as it is, is still a, a fine defensive unit, and that's why Carlos Martinez has been so effective this year. Is because. He's not rearing back and throwing 98, and then when that gets fouled off, he tries to throw 99. No, he's dialing back off his fastball. He's throwing 92, 93 with movement, a lot of off-speed pitches. And that's how he's been able to extend these starts into the sixth and the seventh inning. It's because that's what he couldn't do last season. And it because the major league hitters can hit 98. You can dial it up to 115. They can hit it if you give them enough time. That's not going to get you into the sixth, seventh inning. And I think that's what has been a point of importance and perhaps the most important thing for him this season is he wanted to go deep into games. He wanted to be a valuable starter, and he is. And when you look at this rotation up, you know, up and down, 
they're all doing the same thing. They're all getting a lot of ground balls. Lancelin is last in that, but they're all over 45, 44, 45 is the low mark there. They're all even guys on base, and they're managing, apart from Lance Lynn, who has the most pitches per inning, I believe, yeah, is what you're telling me. The most in baseball, it's like 17.6. Apart from them, apart from him, who he's comfortable going above the century mark in pitches, apart from him, they're all being economical, and that's why this bullpen has been able to survive and, and continue to post the same rates right behind well, them. Well, when we talk about aggregate pitch count or inning count, especially for Waka and Martinez, what the Cardinals use is the stress inning mm-hmm. and... Once again, not to sound like a broken record, but when you are able to get out of trouble innings by throwing quality pitches, getting double plays sometimes, you're able to avoid those stress innings. And we've heard John Mozeliak say that, like, we never set a hard cap on Carlos or Michael. And the fact that they've pitched so well, they've been so healthy, and for the most part, they've avoided those stress innings, it's a good sign down the stretch. Now, it doesn't mean that you're not going to try to pick a spot to – get them an inning here, an inning there, a start here, a start there. It doesn't mean that Carlos Martinez could theoretically end up in the bullpen for the postseason. But what it means is that to this point, they've done a really, really good job because of how economical they've been, because of the defense behind them, and because of maybe a little bit of luck for the staff in general at you know putting themselves in a good position. And I think the, the second part of that, of going deeper into games, getting more ground balls, keeping pitch counts low, J.J., mm-hmm. taking stress off the bullpen. And at yeah. the beginning of the year, it was – well, we got to take some stress off the bullpen. we got to take some stress off the bullpen. There was a time at the beginning of the season, maybe like the 30-40 game mark, where the Cardinals were playing very well, but Mike Matheny said, something's got to give. we got to yeah. get some rest for our bullpen. When you and saw it going into the break there, Trevor yeah. Rosenthal was out of gas. And, w- and what changed? Jaime Garcia came back. Yep. Cooney and Lyons all of a sudden were no longer counted on in the rotation, and everybody started going a little bit deeper into games. Carlos Martinez got through that little rut that he had early and started pitching unbelievably. Jaime plus Carlos ground ball rates plus pitch count everything we've talked about for the last 15 minutes to bring it all full circle that helped take pressure off the bullpen and that's the reason why the cardinals are now 67 and 0 after leading uh, after eight innings that's why they have the best record in baseball well to that end when you look at this rotation and you talk about the absence of adam wainwright you know i've been i've been pretty vocal saying that jaime garcia has given this rotation exactly if not at some points better than the kind of pitching than Adam Wainwright could have given them. Now, is he your ace, and is there more to just the raw numbers? Absolutely. But there's been discussion, and a lot of people have talked and whispered about, well, could he come back this year? You know, he's he's ahead of his schedule, right. and he's, he's looking to throw off a mound perhaps in September. Now there starts to be some whispers and some, some hopeful gazes. Could Adam Wainwright return? And I think the first question you ask is, if he returns – Leaving aside the fact that he'd need at least three rehab start, a rehab start, another rehab start, and at least three starts against some form of elevated hitting just to be prepared for the postseason. Leaving aside that, where do you put him in and who do you knock out in this rotation? Well, first of all, there's nowhere for him to go rehab start. Like, even if he's ready in the middle of September, I believe Jen Langosh said, you know, uh, we know he's throwing off flat ground 90 feet right now. Even if he could throw off a mound or be ready to throw off a mound and, and rehab start in mid-September. There's nowhere to go. We saw it with Michael Walker last year. Triple-A yep. team, uh, they wrap up Labor Day. Even if they make the playoffs, there, there's nowhere for him to go. So, like Waka last year, do you try to get him in these kind of awkward two-and-a-half, three-inning, four-inning starts against major league players? And yep. then, there's not only the long-term implications that you're going to want this guy 
like you should have probably done with Waka last year, to be ready for spring training. He's owed $19.5 million over the next three years. But like you said, nowhere for him to go. Do you want to burn the 25th spot on a postseason roster for a guy who's going to sit in the bullpen and not pitch? Yeah. Even if you put him in the bullpen, you don't feel better about him than Rosenthal, Manus, Segrist, Ciszek, yeah. Um you know, I mean, he would whoever be... the fifth starter is not, or whoever the fifth odd man out is, Martinez. Like, it's not saying that Adam Wainwright's not better than Steve Ciszek. It's to say that at this point, to go in the bullpen and come in and throw one or two innings, what's the point? You and, know? What, and where's the value there? His value is over six, seven innings. His right. value would be as a long man. And if you're in a, if you're in a postseason situation where you need the long man, trouble's already there. You don't want to spend Adam Wainwright on that situation. Well, and I could see if Jaime Garcia hit a wall. If Carlos sure. Martinez hit a wall, if Michael Walker had a setback, if you said, we got Lance Lynn and John Lackey, bueno, if you can get back for the NLCS potentially if we make it that far and give us five innings twice, we need every bit of it. You don't. Right. You could go to Marco Gonzalez. Mm-hmm. You, you could go to Tim Cooney. You could put those guys in the bullpen. Um, Tyler Lyons. I mean, th- there are a lot of guys right now. And again, if you're a Cardinal fan, you're allowed to be thrilled about Adam Wainwright being as far along in his rehab that – He's saying he thinks he could come back. It's like That's unbelievable. They said 12 months at first. Mm-hmm. The fact that he's saying he feels this good, that's a really, really good sign. But you can be excited about it for next year, you know? Yeah. I don't yep. want to say you dodged a bullet with Waka by bringing him back because, by all accounts, he said he was good, he was ready to go. Man, he was a different pitcher. He wasn't throwing his changeup. Um, he wasn't hitting his spots. He was rusty. Yeah. Exactly. And the guy we saw in spring training this year was the Michael Waka we expected to see. I think that should be the case for Wainwright as well. Yeah, I agree. And I, they're already having to make a tough decision with their rotation going into the postseason. Yeah, and that's who, the other who are, thing. Who are your four starters going in? I think you're right. Adam Wainwright, he needs that, and he needs that to work toward. And be, that's just how he's wired. He's always going to be shooting for the moon because he's a competitor. He wants to compete. You know, he, he'll do anything to get back out on the field, and I think Cardinal fans can be excited about that. And it's, maybe try to rub off a little bit on everyone else. Yeah, exa- when you see a guy working that hard who got essentially a death sentence for the season, you know, it keeps you on your toes. It keeps you pushing, and, and, and that is a good thing for the team. It's just that I it's almost impossible to design a scenario in which him coming back this season is a good idea for both the club and him. And I think with that in mind... The next most difficult decision is if, if this rotation is the exact same as it is right now and there is no setback for Waka and Martinez's innings and stretch stress innings and pitches and everything have been managed well, who do you take in as your postseason rotation members here? This, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of good arguments on every one of these names. Um, so John Lackey's in. Yes. Michael Waka's in. Yes. I don't see any and, – and folks can point to Lance Lynn's numbers. Mike Matheny and his staff are not going to line up ERA, FIP, Ks per nine. Walk. They're not going to do that to make their decision. I don't see any scenario, nor do I think there should be a scenario where Lance Lynn is not one of your postseason starters. Mm. I, I just – I don't see it. Those three, I think, are uh, – barring a setback to Waka, which knock on – Bar table, uh, yeah, I, I don't this? think it's going to happen. I don't see any scenario in which those three are not your three guys. So then it comes down to Jaime or Carlos. And with everything we've seen, with everything we know, with Jaime being a lefty, 
I go with Jaime. And it's nothing against Carlos. No. If anything, in, in a postseason where the games get shorter and you could pull a guy in the second, third inning, you weaponize Carlos out of the bullpen. And you that. figure out a way. I don't want him to get buried like Shelby two years ago. You weaponize him. <laughs> and you bring him in. You, I'm serious. You bring him in in the fourth inning with runners on first and second and no outs down a run. You know, you bring him in as the seventh inning guy before Segrist and, and Rosenthal. But if you're asking me right now, and there's still a lot of baseball to be played, a lot of things that could happen. If you're asking me right now, which you are, um, I think Carlos is, I don't want to say out of man out, because I think he would still have a significant role in the postseason. But but I think that's my answer. Yeah, I think I agree. My reasoning is a little different. I think that okay, uh, hit me. what you want is a narrow window of variance when you're in the postseason in the sense that. Going into October baseball, you want to know that the difference between the optimum outcome for this guy and the worst outcome for this guy can be reasonably small. You want that window to be tight. And Jaime Garcia has maybe the tightest window on the staff right now. His disastrous outing, I don't think he's allowed more than three runs in an outing yet. I might be wrong on that, but it might be three earned runs. His worst day is still a very, very good day, whereas Carlos's worst day is, what was it, nine runs? Were they down six runs in the first, and the Cubs won 10-9? Or how? Yeah. Or not wasn't the Cubs. It was uh, – they all blend together, man. But you remember what I'm talking about, where he was, in, he was getting shelled in the first inning. Lance Lynn window, Pirates beat him up pretty good. Lackey, pretty small window. Barring that, that gruesome outing in Colorado, which it doesn't count. The, you know, Coors Field is like the Thunderdome for pitchers. Those guys have very tight variances, very steady expectations. Has, has Waka had one of those? Healthy? This season, not, not no. this year. No, I remember, was it against the Nats that he struck out 10? The, in the like, Mets. Oh, the, the Mets. Yeah, he had Mets. like 110 pitches. Yeah, he yeah. struck out, he was struck out like nine, or he struck yeah. out nine or 10 and was super done in the windy. fourth inning. That was like, right before he got hurt last year, too. Yeah, that was a very bizarre game. But, yeah, Michael Walker has a very tight variance, and that's really what's going to be the deciding factor is you can't always predict it, but you want to be reasonably sure that even the apocalyptic outing will look a certain way that you can manage. And Carlos, right now, is for all the strides that he's taken and for all the development he's made as a pitcher, he's still got the widest window there between the very good and the very bad. And I think that's going to, along with Jaime being a lefty, as you pointed out, that's going to be the deciding factor is what you want is predictability. But also the difference is, whereas I wouldn't bring Wainwright in in a situation with men on base out of the bullpen... I wouldn't bring Lance Lynn in or John Lackey in with men on base out of the bullpen. Dude, I'd bring Carlos in well, he's with done men it on base out of the bullpen. And he's, 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 done it. he's a year he's removed done it before. from having done it. He gets a lot of ground balls. He has nasty strikeout stuff. Yachty knows him so well. Mm-hmm. And in the playoffs where Matheny got criticized for not having this sense of urgency, dude, Bruce Bochy, like, he'll go to his bullpen in the second inning oh, yeah. of a game. Yeah. Like, if it's a 0-0 game – and it's bases loaded, no outs, he'll go to his bullpen, and Carlos could be that weapon. Yeah, I think so. Moving on from the pitching, uh, one reason we said earlier in the podcast, one reason that they've had to be so good and had to be so dominant at stranding runners is an offense that it feels, though it's been beat up, even the even when at full strength, it never got all the cylinders going at once. You know, Jason Hayward was... Oh, yeah. in, in, in 
he had a rough go, rough start, kind of spun coming out of the box. Matt Carpenter uh, fell off the face of the earth there for a little bit in the middle of the season. Matt Holiday uh, hasn't been able to contribute regularly due to the injuries, uh, something that I don't know, the more and more they discuss that news and the more and more vague the plans and the timetable gets, you don't know how long he's going to be down. Matt Adams has been down, never got a chance well, to work and, out of it. And how about, yeah, what Matt Adams wasn't even giving you before the yeah, injury? Two, 241, 243, yeah. something like that. So he, you know, he, he never had a chance to work out of it. So it's been up and down. But recently there's been a, a little bit of trouble scoring runs. You know, obviously Stephen Piscotty hopped over the wall. Yadier Molina hopped over the wall, won a game. Uh, but looking at this offense – one issue that has been the, the newest sufferer of the baseball slump is is Colton Wong. You know, over since July first, he's hitting just two oh seven. Over the last month, which is uh, thirty games, last thirty games, he has four extra base hits and he has an OPS of five twenty. That's um, that right there is one indication of why the offense isn't working. And this is not to put it all on Colton Wong and blame him. This is just kind of looking at explanations. Matt Carpenter's back hitting well. Jason Hayward has been hitting about as well as you could imagine. Randall Gritchick's been hitting well, but still the runs have been tough to come by. And a lot of that has been when they were really a, a threatening offense. Colton Wong was on base regularly and, and going first to third and, and taking second and being able to score on a single to the center fielder from second base. Anymore, he's a, a massive weapon that has been essentially kind of left in the armory. Yeah, and... Again, I think that, like you said, we've kind of gone through these phases where um, we highlight a different guy and his struggles, and we focus in on a different guy yep. and, and his and struggles. Baseball. And because of how well the Cardinals have played, and honestly, I think because of some of the injuries that have cropped up over the last few weeks, Colton Wong's slide until the last very, very recent history has, has gone um, – I don't want to say unnoticed, but Unexamined, um, it's been easy to not focus on it because it's easy to bury that lead when it comes to everything else that's going on. Do I think he's going to snap out of it? Yeah, I think so. I think he's still taking good at bats. I think that like Carpenter, there's a little element of bad luck to it. Like Jason Hayward, there's a little element of bad luck to well, it. Well, in that that bad luck, you know, his strikeout percentage over those 30 games that I mentioned, it's only about 14%, which is where he's at at the season. But... The thing that really stood out was his batting average on balls in play is two eighteen. Yeah, which same thing happened to Carpenter. That is that is that is not only a slump, but it's coupled with the fact that every time you hit a ball hard, it happens to be right at someone. For anybody who doesn't Bad know, yeah. that is that number should be about three hundred. That's kind of the normalization point across the majors. It goes up and down, you know, from year to year. But really, batting average on balls in play should be about three hundred. This season, Colton Wong's is two eighty seven. So 218 is an aberration, and well, that and also what, kind of tells you he's not striking out anymore. He's, he's, he's struggling a little bit, but he's not getting any breaks either. Well, and that's the thing with Carpenter, too. When he was going through his, his struggles, the batting average on balls in play plummeted, and his splits in terms of ground balls, line drives, fly balls, were all the exact same as they yeah. had been all year. Shows you bad luck, you yeah. know? You're putting good at-bats together, but the balls are finding defenders, and... That is one instance where, because of the sample size, you assume that it will regress back up to the mean. Um, I don't think there's a fatigue issue. I don't think there's a health issue with Colton Wong. No, I don't um, think so. But certainly he's one of the latest guys who struggled. I, I think when it comes to Brandon Moss, too, it's easy to focus in and lock in on his struggles. 
are they any worse than Colton Long's or Mark Reynolds recently or Jason Hayward's was or Matt Carpenter's was? No, but it's that Moss is the shiny new toy. It's that yeah. you gave up a prospect in Rob Kaminsky for him. And nationally, a lot of people outside of St. Louis said the Cardinals got ripped off in that deal for giving up Rob Kaminsky. So when a fan reads that, they have really, really high hopes. They say, well, there's a reason we gave up this guy for this guy. And the expectations automatically become much higher for someone like Brandon Moss. And if he goes out there and struggles for the first two weeks, JJ, I get calls every night. We heard some of them last night saying, "Oh, you got to, you got to DFA Brandon Moss." It's not going to happen, and it's a byproduct of what's happening around baseball. It's a byproduct of what's happening to the Cardinals this year. And once again, it's a testament to how good the pitching has been that they are where they are. Well, and I think Brandon Moss too is if you come over and you're struggling and you're going to get sporadic playing time, that makes it even more difficult to pull out. I, you know, it's it's. Ugh. How much does Mike Matheny talk about these guys need to get in a rhythm? They need to be able to work themselves out of it. Some of it is bad luck. Some of it is a, a tick in your stance that you have to work out. Brandon Moss isn't getting regular at-bats. He can get regular work, but game action is not the same thing. However, the guy could be hitting 150. If he makes one big swing in the postseason or down the stretch run, if, if they finish in Pittsburgh, if he hits one ninth-inning home run to win a game, Every single one of those strikeouts is going to be forgotten, and that's all they need him to do. You know, a lot of national writers talked about Kaminsky, and, and up and down the system, the reports are kind of split on, on what his ceiling was. It was. He wasn't the next Sandy Koufax. So all you need out of this guy that you made this move at the middle of the season is he needs to change one game, change one game that matters, and all will be forgiven. And let's say you get Holiday back. Let's say you get Adams back. Let's say you get Gritchick back. Your lineup now becomes Holiday and left, Gritchick and center, and Hayward and right. right. Yeah. Let's say you get John Jay back. Your bench then becomes, if Piscotty's playing first, your bench becomes Reynolds, Moss, Jay, Adams, Cosma, Cruz. Those are your bench options. Yeah. It's a lot better than you've had in a long, long time. And Brandon Moss, again, think of the sample size. Look at the numbers away from progressive field this year where lefties have historically struggled. Look at the fact that he's been hurt. He's a good baseball player. The track record speaks for itself, and I know that he had a bad year this year. I know he had a bad second half of last year, but the guy's been hurt. I think there might be something to that. Um, I think that, like I say, I've got a theory called the benefit of the doubt theory that John Mozeliak and his staff, they evaluate everyone, the guys they're bringing in, the guys they're sending out. Yeah, And, you know, I think there's something to all of that. And both Moss and Reynolds wouldn't necessarily be everyday guys on this team. They'd be the thump on the bench that you've wanted. Yeah, and I think that's what he wanted. That's what he was signed to be. He wasn't signed to be your everyday left fielder, your everyday first baseman. Neither was Mark Reynolds. They knew what they were getting when, the tra- or not signed, I guess he was traded for, but you know what I mean. Same thing when they signed Mark Reynolds. These guys were meant to give some teeth to your bench. To give you a couple options when guys need but a break. you haven't had. And you haven't had much of this season because of your injuries. Those guys are now in the field most days. And they are not the James Dean leaning against the wall smoking the cigarette, the unspoken threat over there. They are out there in the field. And they are, you know, Mark Reynolds is a 225 hitter. I, you can't be upset with that. The Cardinals didn't sign cool him to play every day. slug for 70. Yeah, that's, that's, that's his whole deal. And that's why if you get some of these guys back, Brandon Moss, Mark Reynolds become hugely valuable in adjusted roles, and that's what they were they were aiming for when they got both of them. Can I pose a question to you? 
Sure. Let, let's assume. What happens I'll, if I say no? You just have to keep going on. Yeah, I, I will I let sh- you ask me a question. Asked, I would just. Like, I should have just started. Um, let's assume it's game one of the NLDS. Let's assume that Matt Holiday is back and healthy. He's your starting left fielder. Mm-hmm. Randall Gritchick is back and healthy. He's your starting center fielder. Matt Adams is healthy. After a rest of August of rehabbing, a September of easing his way back in, but let's assume that he's healthy. Okay. Steven Piscotty, your game one NLDS first baseman? Has he gotten any turns there in September, or has he been filling yeah, in? Yeah, he's, he's continued to work there pregame, and he's gotten a handful of games there throughout September uh, when the outfield reinforcements and the cushion in the division allow it. I'd say if he's still playing well, the way he's playing right now. Let's say he's right playing now. every day, he's swinging every day. Then yes. The average regresses a little bit, but he's still hitting around 300, OBP around 380. Then yes. I, I think... Is uh, he your 2016 th- opening day first baseman? No. No, he's not a first baseman. He could is, he become a first baseman? He could, but you have Matt control. Matt Adams is not a first baseman. You have control over Matt Adams, and Stephen Piscotty just spent the last couple years in the minors learning to play the outfield and right field, and you don't know how things are going to shake Piscotti up. Piscotty on your opening day twenty five man roster. I oh, yeah, well, I think you're you're looking pretty far in the future here. That's I, I know, but it, yes, isn't I think, it interesting that a guy who wasn't even the, in the conversation a month ago for a variety of reasons has played his way into the lineup. And I don't think you can penalize him by guys getting healthy if his production remains at this level. No, I don't think so. I think that Matt Adams will be given a chance to win the position back, and he could do it. And I think Stephen Piscotty is definitely going to be the junior senator in that equation. But, yeah, he's your first baseman. Well, and, and Hayward has something to do with that, too. When he's your first baseman in the in, in game one of the NLDS, anybody who's had regular action and is hitting the way he's hitting, same deal when I talk about variance. His bad day at the plate and his good day at the plate are not that far away from each other. He's a very disciplined hitter. I wrote about this. He doesn't get fooled. He doesn't make bad swings more than once. Hits to all fields. Has a little bit of power, as people have seen. And at that point, yes, he should be starting because he is in rhythm and currently one of the better hitters in your lineup, if not the most consistent hitter in your lineup. Matt Adams deserves every chance to to earn his spot and, and to justify why he might be the incumbent there, certainly don't leave him out of the equation. If you want to platoon him against right, left, you know, uh, different pitchers, that's fine. But Stephen Piscotty right now is too consistent and too reliable to take out of the equation. Man, we're going to have some interesting postseason raw Again, assuming they make it. I feel like you, you need to have a little, like, um, at the end of a uh, car commercial, uh, the caveat, the guy who says, like, oh, <laughs> we need to say that, assuming they make it. But yeah. we're going to have Ugh. some interesting, interesting roster discussions, scenarios, and ultimately decisions made over the next six weeks. Oh, I think so. And I think, I mean, you did bring up a good point, and my knee-jerk reaction is no, that he's not, you know, you're... you're opening day 2016 first baseman but it's there, there's every possibility that if he continues to hit like this and and Matt Adams is inconsistent or streaky that the Cardinals start leaning that way Mike Matheny is a players manager and he is a fantastic he is a leader in that clubhouse and the players respect him and follow him and he didn't get that way by giving positions away he will give every chance to Matt Adams because you know you can't lose your job because of bad luck bad injury but I think that they could make it a race certainly and I don't think Mike Matheny is quick to jump to the newest thing I think he likes to let guys work themselves out of it and, and give them every benefit of the doubt but yeah if, if Stephen Piscotty keeps hitting like this 
how do you not have him in every lineup that you can manage to get him in? Well, and, and the funny thing about that is that the theme of spring training in this year was that, for the most part, the lineup was set. It was mm-hmm. Molina, Adams, Wong, Carpenter, Peralta, Holiday, Jay, Jay Hayward. And what we talked to Matheny about every day was, well, you know, you've never had a spring where the lineup set, and he'd say, you know, competition, competition, blah, 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 competition. But he pretty much admitted, Mo pretty much admitted the lineup was set. Yeah. The competition, quote-unquote, was for the fifth starter with Carlos, Marco, and Jaime. And it just so happened that the one thing that has been solidified following Wayno's injury has been the rotation. Yeah. And the one thing that has been topsy-turvy every day has been the lineup, which just goes to show nothing is ever how you think of it. And for everyone who last year said, trade John Jay, he's depth. For everyone who said, you know, get rid of Jaime Garcia, you don't need him. You can never <laughs> have enough organiza- organizational depth. And, and that has been the calling card of this of this club and, and the reason they are where they are. Well, and you talk about just looking back. If you told somebody in March that in August Randall Gritchick is going to go down and you just lost your everyday center fielder, he wasn't even in the discussion really in in spring training. To I mean, he was fighting for that bench spot. He wasn't going to be an everyday starter and that there would be a collective groan coming out of St. Louis that Randall Gritchick's down. What are we going to do in center field? I mean, that's how much things have changed this season. And, you know, going into next season, they've got a lot. Oh, God, do they have a lot of outfielders. Man, they are outfield rich. And it's so interesting to see what happens with Hayward. I know. See if anything happens before the postseason. And you had, is your, I mean, in your, in, in, in right now, if, if you are a listener, you can, you can tune out because we're going to vamp a little bit here for a minute. But, I mean, is there any indication or any reason why the Cardinals wouldn't be making every effort to sign Jason Hayward at this point? Um, I don't think so because you're flush with cash. I think he's flush. been as good, if not better, than what you expected this year. When that TV deal made you, yeah. Sure. The renegotiated he, contract allows you the freedom to do things like this. By many projections, he should still get better. And I think that for fans, it's easy to gravitate towards, you know, RBI, home runs, batting average sure. the things that he does so well and for people that i've talked to around major league baseball the things that make him a x number of dollars player we really struggled to quantify especially defense and we're getting yeah. better at it but the skill set that he brings to the table at age 25 26 now now 26 he look for feel, that, every time i talk to him i feel like he's in his mid-30s he is the most uh, mature 26 year old i've ever for, met in my for life for that skill set to hit the market at age 26 is unheard of. I mean, I'd, I'd pay him. I don't know what kind of deal he wants. I don't know if he wants to be a free agent again at 30 to get the Robinson Cano 10-year deal. I don't know if he wants a 10-year deal now. Um, I wouldn't bat an eye at, at giving him, I mean, it's not my money, but I wouldn't bat an eye at giving him five years, $120 million. No, I don't. $150 million. Well, and even if he's not hitting the ball over the fence, he's done some stuff for he this team. He doesn't need to. I mean, how many times has he beat out a, he's, an JJ, infield he's, grounder? Or he's beat, he's broken up the double play with his speed. I think he's and one that of the changes 20, an I, inning. I think he's one of the 20 best players in Major League Baseball. Ooh. 
20 best players in Major League 20 Baseball. 20 best position players in Major League Baseball. Take the pitchers out of it. Interesting. Maybe I, even higher than that. I don't know that, if I could that's name. That's a discussion for the next podcast. Yeah, I was saying, I don't know if I could name 19 right now that or, hey, or 20 that would be an argument. I'll put it this way. In terms of all-around value yes, and all-around um, – well, and his age plays into that, and, too. And what goes into everything that comes to the table and everything that's going to be on the table for the next five or six years, I struggle to find you know more than a handful of guys that are more valuable than he is to an organization. Yeah, I think that's true. And even if even if this season is a disappointment in his he's evaluation. He's hitting like 290. I know, and I'm not saying like it is. the best he's ever hit in his I, career. Careful now. Come across the table at me. He's a violent man. But it's, he's got I, a I vein every, popping out. No. People just not noticed what he's done offensively over the last three months. Oh, and we've talked about it. But he said what he said at the beginning of the season was he didn't. He looked back at his stats and he didn't see a truly great season in any of those years. And if even he put that evaluation on this season, and said no, I don't think I'm there yet. I don't think this was a truly great season. What he gave this this Cardinal team out of right field is way more, way more than they could have expected in almost any other scenario. I think, and I think, I think that you're right. like, he he has been he has been tremendous on defense. His speed has changed games. He's he hitting way way above his career average currently. He's been valuable in the clubhouse. He's he, a young veteran and a team made up of young players who have gone through a lot of high stress situation, big games. He fits right in that clubhouse. Through 115 games this year, he's been worth four wins. Which is it's pretty good. A big number, a yeah. big number. I mean, he's and there's you're not hearing a doubt from me. I was just saying that he's looked at some pretty good seasons and said, no, those are not great seasons. I think I have a great season in me. Yeah, I mean, it's he's hitting twenty points better than his career batting average. He is at his career on base percentage, and he's slugging slightly above his career slugging percentage. I mean, it's. He's at, if not slightly better, than the best years of his career. So, again, all of that being said, um, with the fact that he's only now entering what we consider a prime of a baseball player, I get giddy. You get giddy. I get giddy at the thought of a next year holiday Gritchick Hayward outfield with John Jay and Stephen Piscotty potentially as, as bench guys. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Or John Jay and Peter Borges and Scotty playing somewhere else. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's like I said, there, there's a ton of outfield depth that they have there, and I wouldn't be surprised if maybe they tried to move a little bit of it. But that's a discussion for another time. Yeah, I think you look at that. Uh, what Randall Gritchick has given you is exciting. No no what doubt. Jason Hayward's capable of is exciting. Stephen Piscotty launched into everybody's hearts very quickly with what he's been able to do. And so, I mean, I think that they might have been they've, – they've reached down quite a bit and they have dealt a lot of that talent. But the talent that they have brought up and that you've seen is, is contributing talent and that kind of core player that the Cardinals like to identify every couple years. And I think they've got a couple candidates for that. A lot of, lot of options for that. That guy that they want to identify three to five years that could oh, be yeah. the, the flagpole and- – that you build a team around. And right now you have Hayward in there. You have Wong in there. You know, Carpenter was that guy. Holiday was that guy. Gritchick Waka. could be. Yeah, you got Waka, Rosenthal, Gritchick. You know, even Manus, Segrist, those guys. Those are, I mean, those are primo bullpen well, guys. Well, a lot of them are just super, super cost-effective as well. Yeah, so. it's unbelievable. 
Well, I'll tell you what, that was our conversation from ITAP. It's great, man. Soulard. Yeah. We get the juices flowing when we're at a bar. We should uh, do it again over here. <laughs> we get the juices flowing. We can't have too much, too many of the juices oh. flowing, then we'll I start getting off I think we each had one and a half beers. So. That's true. But then you tried to arm wrestle me about Jameson Hayward, and you're out of control. It's all right. I thank you for listening. We will be back next week, hopefully. And if we're here again, come by, see us. Maybe we'll do a little bit of Q&A. But as always, thanks for tuning in, and I will see you again next week.